Hey, before internet, before we get the episode proper started, just a couple things to uh, go over just briefly. One, um, this is our first episode that we recorded remotely with a new recording setup, and apparently my mic was a little bit hot the whole night, and so the sound quality isn't the best. We apologize uh, in advance. We're gonna fi- we have that fixed for next time. Also, I am not sick. I just thought I might be getting sick when I recorded the thing. I am still, at this time, perfectly healthy. Um, that's all I really had to say. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. Keyboard. Hi, Craig. Alright, is everybody ready to start this mess? Yes. Ready. Let's do it. Alright. Internet and welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Porter, and I'm joined this week by the one true Ben, Mike, and special guest star, Ethan Cordray of the Technical Difficulties Gaming Podcast, technicaldifficultiespod.com. And also my brother. Yes. And also super special guest star uh, who's not going to say anything. Craig the bot, because we are recording this remotely, um, because, um, well, I might actually be sick. We're, I'm not 100% sure yet. It's a little, eh, dicey. We know he's, we know he's twisted and wrong, but. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether, also, I don't know whether I'm sick with just some regular sickness or whether I've got, you know, or, or whether I'm down with, down with the sickness or whether I've wow. got the thing or what have you. You got the, the cool sickness that all the kids, all the kids are talking about nowadays. Yeah. Do, do I have uh, what is referred to on the YouTube because of demonetization uh, as the human malware? Um, because you can't call it COVID-19. Because YouTube takes away all your money. On the upside, we're not monetized on YouTube at the moment because we don't have enough subscribers. So I can say that as much as I want. Also, okay. please subscribe on our YouTube channel. Hold on. Why, like. why are they demonetizing people for using the term that everyone uses? Uh, because um, they're, they're not only demonetizing it, they're also, um, like, unless you're, like, a news source, they're... Uh, they're making you harder to find because they're trying to fight. Uh, at least their stated reason is because they're trying to fight fight misinformation. They're using their their crude, extremely blunt instrument. Yeah, that is. Yeah, you're definitely letting a the, fly with a giant mallet. So yeah, yes. for sure. Okay. I, I see. Well, yeah. I mean, but when, but when you look at how misinformation works, it usually works yeah. by massive amounts. Of, yeah. Uh, you it know, spreads uh, virally. I honestly think Pretty it's much. probably the right decision, as messed up and weird as it as it sounds at first glance. But <laughs> it's the that's... best of a series of bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're we definitely practicing social distancing. Um, at minimum, there's like six miles between us at the moment, and yep. Ethan's like. Uh, like two hundred and some odd miles away. Right. From us, so broadcasting from the uh, the beautiful town of Columbia, Missouri. Hey, uh, it is a beautiful town. It is. We took a walk this afternoon. The the weather was great. Anyway, we should probably talk about our like topic or something. Yeah. Well, uh, 
This is, you don't this listen is what to this we podcast do. very often, do you, Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> I betray myself. <laughs> Welcome to Geek <laughs> Fanology, where we talk about something and don't talk about it at the same time. Yep. This is a totally a um, one of those memes of uh, whose line is it anywhere? It's like, "Welcome to Geek Fanology." Where the uh, digressions are made up and the topic doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, the topic doesn't matter and the, and the digressions are constant. We'll, we'll try and keep it semi on topic like we try to usually. But um, so today um, we are going to talk about the uh, third season of Castlevania, uh, which is, came out on Netflix and. Um, we'll we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, but first, as always, we have our general like. Anybody run anything, anything interesting on the internet recently? Well, interesting on the internet. Signal <laughs> well, Signal Boost, uh, I'm in the Tomorrow's In bo- podcast. Um, mm-hmm. We are supposed to uh, record this weekend. Um, our team's, uh, our team's uh, last episode came out on March 15th. I'm part mm-hmm. of Recon R17, which is set in Florida. So, uh, given the current setup of things, with you know people worrying about the end of the world, the, uh, the Mara Project is a post-apocalyptic role-playing game. So, hmm. yeah, it's, it's so fun. great to get away from our worries with uh, pretending to be like in the end of the world when it feels like it's the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. I mean... well, at least this way, because at least this way, your characters sleep through the end of the world. <laughs> yep and they just have the aftermath to deal with um different I've game been, mm-hmm. <laughs> i've been uh, i've been doing pretty much two things recently uh which is one i have mostly reclaimed my pc master race membership card by building a new uh computer ri- computing rig exciting um i haven't got i haven't quite finished like updating the BIOS and the OS and such, but uh, I will have a computer that will be able to run Cyberpunk 2077, which is all I really care about. Um, and aside from that, I've been playing The Witcher 3 on my PS4 because it was on sale due to the COVID-19, due to the, hey, pretty much everyone who sells video games right now is having a sale sale. Yeah, uh, because you know, I like to call it peer pressure dying. sale. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh crap! Everyone else is doing. It. I don't want to look like a dick. Hey, everything is on sale. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got I got Mad Max for four dollars today. <laughs> I so, want to play Mad Max. It looks good. Yeah, four dollars so, on Steam right now. <laughs> you know who else is uh, giving stuff away right now? Oddly enough, and who started all of this? Pornhub. So yeah, I, I ran into a news story about uh, ran into a news story of that on Yahoo. I'm like, what? <laughs> the last thing you expect to see on you know on a news page is Pornhub does something cool. I don't know. It's it depends like... on which news page, pages you, uh, you you're on because Pornhub actually does a lot of cool things. They well, plant a lot of trees. They uh, they do things for. They they have massive literacy uh, projects because uh, here's here's a here's a news flash, everyone. Porn sells really well. <laughs> no kidding. And you know a lot more about Pornhub than I expect. No, wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, well. Rule 34. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but yeah, truth is, is Pornhub uh, actually donated a bunch of masks to the state of New York as well. Oh, mm-hmm. also, a uh, thing I am boosting. Uh, my girlfriend, Randy, is making uh, masks, uh, cloth masks. They are not in 95 masks, but they are triple layer. Um, 
Um, so if you want to donate to a good cause, uh, a, um, a half yard of 100% cotton uh, interfacing um, as well, or, uh, or narrow elastic um, is always welcome. If you donate at least one half yard of cloth, uh, she will make you a mask in addition to the mask she makes for someone else. Cool. So are we going to have a link of the doobly-doo or something? How are you going to send out um, I have a, yeah, actually, I have a post out. Um, I will put a post on my website, bensreader.com, and uh, so that people can get in touch with me either by on Facebook or, um, or yeah, Facebook's probably going to be the easiest way. Yeah, our, our doobly-doo is just going to be covered in uh, links today, th this time. Yeah. And and I'll put a I'll put a uh, link to my uh, uh, to my post on that if you don't mind. You know. Also, because uh, I've already apologize in advance, here, but, so uh, but but uh, uh, Ben's internet is, uh, is is run by a by a rodent running around in a in a in a wheel, and uh, you need to feed that thing more. And just be careful <laughs> when you do. I mean, you got to sanitize like a mofo if it's being run by a rodent. <laughs> this is true. By the way, I just I have to I have to hand it to you. That's an a that's a hell of a segue where it's like, yeah. So speaking of pornography, my girlfriend is doing this thing. <laughs> that was a weird segue. That was a weird segue. Well, I mean, we are known for our weird segues, are we not? I suppose we are geek anthology. So I guess that makes it my turn um, for signal boosty stuff. I don't really have uh, much. Um, I, I've mentioned before that I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV, really enjoying it. Um, I uh, let's see. I guess I, I don't know if it'll still be on by the time this is posted, but there was a there was a sale where um, people can um, people could get the previous expansions for free when you buy Shadowbringers, which is the latest expansion, and I think there's like. An extra month of game time in there. Um, you can check and see what's available at the time. But I've been having a lot of fun with the game, and I guess it's like a, a sub boost within it. Is the gold saucer is friggin' amazing? Holy crap! That place is so whimsical, and I love it. And I've heard that a bit. So that music is so soothing. <laughs> in the trying times like these, it's nice to have that little you know security blanket of whimsy. Yeah. Oh, another random thing. Um, Sure, some people have heard because there's all sorts of you know things like this being shared on the old internet. But um, Sir Patrick Stewart has been reading a sonnet of Shakespeare every day, and that's delightful. Mm -hmm. So uh, people oh. that want to you know hear Patrick Stewart, uh, as that's one of you know that's one of the, the various calming voices. Uh, the old true. chicken soup. Um, that that's a, a free fun thing you can check out. A lot of people, are, a lot of uh, individuals and organizations are doing things like that, where they're kind of sharing content and just you know trying to do good mm -hmm. stuff. Do what you can. Neil Gaiman gave out uh, carte blanche to anyone who wants to read any of his material out loud on the internet for free to people right now. Yeah, yeah specifically to Lamar yeah. Burton. No, and then uh, someone else that. said, and then someone else said, "Hey, can I do this too?" And he said, "Anyone can." Yeah, sure, everybody. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but I, the awesome. reason I wanted to put that out there is because it was Lamar Burton who was looking for stuff, and Neil Gaiman yeah. just out of the blue said, "Do that." Yeah, that was. Oh, <laughs> I'm Neil Gaiman. You can use any up. of my stuff. <laughs> right, I'm Neil exactly. Gaiman. I approve this message. 
Exactly. It's great. Um, also, I should say, I should point out that uh, Actors Theater of Missouri, the people I do Shakespeare with, are doing something similar. We're doing Shakespeare monologue a day. Um, similarly, I forgot to do one today, though. So I have to do two tomorrow. Oh, uh, but yeah. Uh, so Castlevania, everybody, we got a spoiler oh, of the week. I, I, you missed me. Oh, sorry, Ethan. So I'm not used to having you. I'm sorry. That's Go ahead. Okay. He's yes. only your brother. So long as you're sorry. <laughs> All right. So uh, two things, I guess. <laughs> One is so I'm out of work right now. Uh, still getting paid. Fortunately, it's kind of best of both worlds. Nice. But I have a bunch of time, and I am trying to work on a writing project right now, which I am doing for uh, Red Markets Black Death. So Red Markets is a uh zombie survival role-playing game but it's really an economic horror game so it's about like the economic effects of being in a situation in which like the world has been in a zombie post-apocalypse messed up by a zombie apocalypse so you're trying to just make ends meet um and so i'm taking that and transposing it into the middle ages into the 14th century specifically uh into the immediate aftermath of the black death first gigantic pandemic that uh, hit western europe so it seems like super topical right yeah. now i guess <laughs> all of a sudden uh so i'm trying to i'm trying to get as much work done as i can on that um if you guys if anyone is listening to this is interested in that there are a whole bunch of playtest uh uh rpg scenarios of that that we've recorded for my podcast which is technical difficulties podcast technical difficulties pod.com uh, we got a whole bunch of them, and uh, right now I'm rolling. I'm actually running games that have been written by somebody else, which is like a super exciting thing that somebody else is writing stuff for like a game that I've written, and it's like kind of a cool milestone for me. But if you actually want to go do something completely else, it's like really fun, and just you have some time on the internet. I've been watching a bunch of marble races. Oh yes! From- oh God, yes. The, the YouTube channel Jelle, Jelly's Marble Runs. I think it's Jell. J-E-L-L-E apostrophe S Marble Runs. Jell's Marble Runs. Uh, he's he's doing like a like a, like a Formula One. He's called Marbula One right now with these yes. like circuit tracks that are amazing. <laughs> and, My green ducks are taking a beating. I'm well, really I'm really unhappy about it. Well, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a uh, team primary fan and uh they have one racer who's really good and one racer who's absolutely terrible <laughs> so and later in the year uh, also he's going to do uh something called marble league which used to be called marble olympics um and he does it once a year um however he has to ch- he had to change the name to marble league because apparently he got noticed by someone Aww. who actually like is part of the ioc and they're like, you're you're minorly infringing on our trademark and um, cease and desisted. <laughs> well, all he had to do was change the name, like yeah. change the name oh, yeah, and, start, sure. and stop using uh, a modified version of the Olympic logo. He's still doing it. They are they are really good. Like it's hard to underestimate. Like it's hard to explain exactly what's so cool about these Marvel. But like if you're missing sports right now, this is a great <laughs> way to get your sports fix. Because they he, they he pays for uh, for a commentator. Who sounds, you know, I, I, I swear I'm, I may have heard of this, heard this commentator like actually 
commentate a sports event somewhere. It's, it's it, very, it's very good play by play. Yeah, I'm, it is very really good. Play play. I watched watch some of those too, and it's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Because you're watching something really random, but by the way the commentator does it, you're going, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, there's my team. There's my team. Yeah, and it's and great he, how like each marble has its own like identity and and yeah. and like it, it's 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 oh, interesting stuff. Yeah, they ex- they they sort of describe them just like you would real real athletes. So it's it's hilarious. <laughs> real racing teams. Yeah. Huh. Anyone else have anything else they want to that they want to to uh, submit for for the uh, general people? I'll have I'll have links to everything that got mentioned that uh, um here uh in the Facebook post on the YouTube channel and on our website www.workingtheoryproductions.com. Uh, so, we got anything else? Not really. Not from here. Okay. I think we sink our. I, I say we sink our teeth into Castlevania. All we need is a spoiler. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Alucard is Dracula spelled backwards. It's uh, like his. But? No. I know, right? We were we were gonna go with what is a man, but we realized we did that last time. So um, yeah, you already know the answer to that. Yeah, right. Because everybody listens faithfully to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we have two people who download our episode once a week from Ireland. Either that, or we have two people who use a VPN in Ireland to download our our, our uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a good chance if you're listening to this one that you listened to the previous Castlevania one because you're interested in Castlevania stuff. So yeah, <clears throat> because yeah. season because because it's gonna have you know it's gonna say season three um, mm. thoughts and retrospective. Uh, by the way, open spoilers. I suppose we could do a little bit of non-spoilery like we used to, um, but after that we'll go into spoiler territory. Who do we? What do we have? Uh, what do we have opinions on it that are non-spoilerific? Non-spoiler opinions. Hmm. Yes. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we maintain our usual rotation here and you kick us off, Neil? Okay. Uh, well, once again, um, my hat goes off to the animation team, especially for the animation that they had to do for all the for for the fights in the last in the last couple episodes because action is hard and time consuming to animate and. Yep, and the fact that it looks that good mm-hmm. um, is is a testament to skill. Although, if you like f- slow it down to like frame by frame, you actually notice there's a lot of crap that's missing frame wise. But that's actually good too because you don't notice that unless you're going super slow. Right. Also, my hats off to the writing team for for jam packing it once again, just full of damn Easter eggs. Yeah, I was just going to say, you shouldn't, you know, you should just be enjoying it at regular speed, not breaking it down like it's the Zabruder film from the Kennedy assassination <laughs> or something. That's a lot of frames. <laughs> Way up and to the left. Then? I, know what you, I know what you mean, though. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I agree with you about the animation thing. Um, one of the things that was, like, really noticeable in, like, the first season was that it seemed like they saved their entire animation budget for the giant fight in the last episode, <laughs> which is still s- somewhat a little bit true at this point. It's almost like a like a stylistic choice uh, that yeah. like a lot of the like, and it's also just a very anime style where there's the, like long sections where there's not a lot of movement and there's definitely some like 
you know, they're not drawing as many frames as you would expect them to draw in a particular, you know, second yeah. of film. Right, but yeah. like it really works and uh it doesn't really distract from the from the experience of the whole thing and it makes the action sequences look great. Well, I'll say oh, this too, does. like they established that early on. It kind of like you said, it kind of feels like a style um at this point and the the way it's um like the the style of the art and everything, it does like because it's uh I mean it's anime esque, but it's also like got that like Eastern European medieval gothic kind of thing going on. And, you know, when you think of a lot of that stuff, you think of like big murals and stained glass and like um scrolls and paintings or whatever, like a lot of stuff that doesn't really have a lot of motion going on. It's a lot of still grabs in terms of like the art of the time or whatever. So mm-hmm. it kind of works in a weird way, like thematically. Yeah, right. I agree. Now, the other thing that I, uh, technically, that I liked a lot was the sound, uh, mm-hmm. because it set the tone really hard. Uh, oh, yeah. Because, you know, you like when they're in uh, Leidenfeld, uh, the, the way that, you know, this the sound, the, the village sounds uh, compared to... Uh, you know, you get all this bustle and things like that going on, but then when you're near, Al, you know, Alucard and Dracula's castle, it's eerily quiet, um, and it just all over it. Each each setting has its own its own um, its own theme feel to it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Each each um, has its a very good soundscape, right? And it, and it was. Well, broken up into they told four different well see mm-hmm. yeah they told four different stories that uh during throughout the whole thing there's alucard's stories there's isaac's stories there's uh there's the the uh trevor uh, there's belmont and as uh, you know trevor and cephas stories and then mm-hmm. hector's story all of those you know and they don't exactly touch but we're still invested in them there's definitely some touching involved, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I've got, th- I've got, I've got thoughts on on that part. Hmm. So yeah, that's my non-spoilery basic stuff. You know, Ethan, what do you got? You skip me. Oh, I'm gonna skip it. I'm gonna skip one pe- one person per segment. It seems Neil Ben Mike. Mike what do you got? Neil Ben Mike Ethan. Neil Ben Mike Ethan. Because you have to say it three times to have it sink in. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. I definitely agree with uh, Ben's take about the sound music and how, you know, the music is kind of a character in and of itself. And it kind of establishes like the ambiance, the theme, the tone uh, kind of differentiates, helps break up those scenes, kind of identify them against each other. Um, Yeah. Not just just the music, but the background sound. Yeah. The ambient sounds and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And of course the lack and lack therefore of, I, that reminded me, um, with the um that the opening bit on Ayukard's story, his thread, if you will, um, with you know the abandoned uh, castle and all that, it was very much I, I got I got a big I am legend vibe going on there because like he's all by himself and he's kind of losing his mind and there's that deer like stopping for a moment. Like it was very <laughs> I am legend. Like I, I'm pretty sure they were inspired by the Omega Man slash I am legend thing there. Yeah. Definitely got that vibe. Uh yeah, I mean it's um yeah, it's hard to get into too much of it without getting into spoilers, but um, I would say um, one of the things I really enjoyed this season was um, uh, Trevor, and uh, I always forget, how do you pronounce her name again, the magician? Sypha. 
Sypha. Yeah, I always mess it up. Sypha. Trevor and Sypha. I liked seeing their dynamic, their little, like, traveling partner o monster hunters carnival of death thing like it was just interesting <laughs> right. to see them kind of like wheel in and do their thing and how they they're back and forth it's like um you know, it hasn't been that long since um they met each other and in some ways they're kind of like an old married couple already it's pretty adorable <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well, the other the other thing about that is that each of those story arcs develops the characters so well yeah that's one thing i was gonna i was gonna mention is that um as the storylines develop it's really interesting to see that what the directions that they're taking the characters because in many ways this is this sort of uh whole feels like a sort of a tradition a transitional uh uh season like a lot of people are like on their way to go do something right. <laughs> and <laughs> things like that. Uh, this is or getting ready to, to like do something really important. Yeah. But like in the course of that, everybody's like all, all of the storylines have, have really significant character development. Well, it's um, very, the, uh, very game of Thrones asking that sense where it's like, Oh, we have this character and this pair of characters and everyone is kind of like fractured doing their own thing, traveling to and from and yeah. they're off doing their own it's thing. A, and at some point it'll converge, but it has yeah, to. it's honestly only one, arguably two of the, uh, I don't want to get too spoilery here, but arguably two of the, uh, the, the storylines really have like a narrative climax. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's an interesting choice of words, but continue, but they're, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they're, um, like every every storyline is moving the the characters mm-hmm. forward in in really significant ways, so it's really really fascinating to watch that happen. Right, and they kind of they do some world building at the same time. Like you get some mm-hmm. more context of you know the dystopian you know <laughs> setting. The dystopian world, right? Yeah. And and you actually get to see the world uh, in the in the vampire castle. Yeah, you know that map they constantly bring out. Yep. I think also we we can all be agreed that um, so there's going to have to be a season four, yeah, because there are a lot of untied threads at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I assume it's a, the, like this season was probably designed with the understanding that there was definitely going to be a season four. I think a lot like season one was for season two. After yeah, well, yeah. I've I've read that season one was designed partially in like so that it could stand at its own if, if it did if it sank like a stone it still could have yeah. kind of been its own thing well this but, one uh, as neil pointed out at one point is like john wick too it's just one long, long trailer. actually mike said that so oh mike said that okay but yeah well, very very wick-esque in this yeah setup. uh yeah so um I suppose now we can talk about things with uh, with less veiled uh, language. We will pause momentarily here so that I have a little bit of uh, silence for me to insert um, something from the OCRemix.org, probably a remix of Bloody Tears because it's my favorite Castlevania track. And then we will be back. So pause now for music.
Okay, I think that's long enough. Uh, <laughs> I just need a nice. I need just need a nice <clears throat> dead dead zone in the waveform to be like, ah, that's where I. That's where we put it. Um, Warning: Here be spoilers. Yes, there will be spoilers uh, going forward at this point because um, there's only so much you can talk about. You can do to talk about something without spoiling it, and so let uh, let the spoilers begin. Um, who wants to start? Because I don't really, I, I, I don't particularly want to start. Yeah, but you, you are supposed to start. That is the order that we've. Established. I don't want. Okay, so fine. Um, Point of order. <laughs> so, um, what's what's that? What's that poor bastard's name? Um, you have to be more specific. Yeah, could you vague that up a little bit? Because I was getting way too. You're talking about the other, the other, the other. The Forge Master who just constantly prison. gets fucked over. Hector. Hector. That's Hector, right. Hector, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because he's actually the protagonist of the of the of the PS2 Castlevania game that he's that, that they pulled him from. Like he's supposed to be the hero. He kills Dracula in his in his game because you kill Dracula in literally like ninety five percent of Castlevania games. Well, he's, uh, what the hell was that? That was me hitting my microphone. Stand. Sorry about that. Aha. Fair enough. But yeah, no. Hector just is constantly getting the short end of the st- of the stick here. Um, well, he literally spends the entire uh, season in a prison cell. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He until he gets turned once. into someone's pet. Yeah, and I have thoughts. He does, about go, on, that. He does go on a walk like a dog. Yeah. I don't know well, why he, he didn't pick up on the fact that she was treating him like a dog well before he she he got the she, she put the ring on him too. Well, well he's I'm pretty uh, sure he did. He just you know took it in stride. Right, I mean, really if you look at the choice. way, if you look at the way uh, Carmilla treated him in season two, it's not a it's not really a surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like. Like the, the the boy has no brain, is my is what I'm saying. You just like, well, didn't we establish in season two that like he was really young and like, um, like uh, traumatized Stupid. and then like taken in by you know Dracula and everything. So like he's in a weird way he is sheltered and also abused and just ignorant of a lot of things in general. Yeah. It's it's not surprising that he gets manipulated again when his whole thing was that he got manipulated. Yeah. I just, I I would, I'd like him, you know, given that he, given that he's another game protagonist, I'd like him to get a little bit of, um, of a, of a break at some point here. I didn't really, I didn't play any of the modern games. Um, so I don't really have any like, you know, dog. I have, I didn't play, I didn't play curse of darkness either, but I haven't got a dog. in that. But but I am, I'm familiar enough with it because I took the time to familiarize myself with the entire Castlevania game timeline. By watching a large group, (laughs) by watching like uh, about two hours of YouTube videos. That's certainly more work than I did. (laughs) Yeah. I just watched the show. (laughs) I find it interesting, so I was like, "Okay, works Fair. for me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Saint Germain, by the way, is also from uh, from Cur- from Curse of Darkness. Oh, is he? Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, he's a historical figure that's used over and over again in a bunch of, you know, anything having to do with occult or supernatural stuff set during See, this time period. So this is something that I do not know. So, so I feel like uh, that's a good, please continue. What, what is this about? Uh, so the Comte de Saint Germain was a real guy. Um, he was a historical uh, figure from 1691 uh, or maybe the early 1700s. Uh, he died in the 1780s. He was a uh, European. Are you, are you reading this off of his Wikipedia page or are you doing this from memory? Uh, mostly Wikipedia. Okay. But, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm locked, look, I found his Wikipedia page. I'm like, damn, yeah. if he's doing this from memory. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean he's a so he was he's pretty famous if you're at all familiar with like historical occultism. Um, he was pretty much, I mean, in real in in real life, he was pretty much just a just a con artist, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. Uh, he's a confidence man. Yeah, he passed himself off under a variety of like names and titles and stuff uh, as some kind of nobleman. Uh, in order to grift his way through European high society, um, <laughs> but a part of his grift was that he 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 posed as being an alchemist and a magician and a and an occult uh, knower of secret knowledge and things like that. Uh, so uh, he's very very popular among people who uh, do you know occult historical philosophy type stuff. Okay, so because... quick thought before I forget it, um, Neil, you were talking about how. Like, um, how dumb is Hector? Come on, guys. But, like, how dumb is that cult figure who is like, oh, you're just going to go to the bathroom? Okay. And, like, just bought into, like, every stupid half-assed <laughs> excuse that he gave. Well, to oh, be fair, yeah. he also, like, he, he, that guy was also very clearly not in his correct mind. This is true. He was, he was very yeah. much, uh, he was very much following someone else there. Well, and very and, very few people are in their correct mind in the show. And as it's evidenced by true. by his reaction once once things start at the end, he didn't really realize what was going to be happening. At least not to a, to a full extent, because he was surprised and mi and minorly shocked at what he had done. Yeah, that's also a recurring theme. That's true. So yeah. no, like like Saint Germain being like, no, I'm just going to take a piss. G that bluff check getting past that guy not entirely surprising he's got an insight check of like minus three <clears throat> yeah his wisdom was very low of course that's what happens when you you know ally yourself to a night creature because he yep. didn't even recognize the symbols he was using <clears throat> I, I think they were kind of like a blind scribe um in that they were just doing the things that they were told him and all the monks because the monks that he had were not the most um well they their uh intelligence and wisdom were their dumb stats. That's true. Uh yeah. So who were we were officially on whose mm -hmm. remarks were we still on where we, we started with Ethan. Uh we started with Neil and then went to Ethan, is that right? Well, well, well no, Ethan 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 jumped in. I'm sorry. Um, no, no, I, I mean, there, there's going to be jumping in because I didn't, I didn't know this thing about Saint Germain. This is interesting. In the Castlevania thing, he's a time traveler. I think that was so. That was a that was a digression on Neil. Yeah. I think it was still officially right. Neil's mm -hmm. turn before yeah. passing to Ben. So yeah, no, I, it's going to happen. 
I didn't realize that the Leviathan that the Leviathan cross was also apparently associated with sulfur, but um, mm-hmm. that's what I that's what I know that symbol as. Um, the Leviathan cross, sometimes also known as Satan's cross, um, mm-hmm. which is the which is the double cross pieced cross over an infinity sign. Yeah. So. so what else you got, Neil? Um, I was a little disappointed with the... I felt like the soundtrack didn't, it wasn't quite as epic uh, in, the, in the epic final confrontation as it was in the last season. Yeah, it's hard to top season two. I, that's a good point. It's it, they, uh, that's because they remixed Bloody Tears at the end. Well, not only that, but it's like, I mean, it's hard to get more... Um, more like melodramatic and epic than the final showdown against Dracula in Dracula's castle. Yeah. No, I did also one, one other thing I, and I do want to just point out, and then I will cede my turn. Um, I will yield my time to the gentleman from Missouri, but, um, um, <laughs> there are no gentlemen well, on this show. There was another thing that I, Wrong. every time that Trevor employs an act, it always goes in an upward arcing uh, motion, which I think is a beautiful little, just kind of, not in a wink to the games, which I, which I just I'm a big fan of. So. Interesting. When, when did you notice that? Because I was kind of looking for that sort of thing. I did not pick up on in the that. last fight <laughs> when he takes the whip and uses in the, the last axes. fight he grabs the whip he 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 whips around the axe and chucks it at a guy in the air. Nice. And in season and in uh, I think it was season one, uh, he similarly grabs a hand axe and throws it in an upward arcing direction. So he's done it twice now. That's awesome. <laughs> it's just the, it's the little things, yeah. right? So just like physical homages of how the like how the power ups would work in the old games, basically. Yeah. Also, yeah. Sypha has so many hearts. I swear, she ain't never. Right she's got cheats going on. Like hacks, <laughs> I call hacks. <laughs> hearts are the are the uh, special are the special weapon uh, energy source in uh, in Castlevania, and. Like all of Sypha's spells would cost hearts in Castlevania three. And the way she's just spamming magic. <laughs> right. Her non-heart attack was trying to smack someone with a staff. Which she almost doesn't touch in this season. I don't think she did touch a staff in this season. Well, there was I mean, I wouldn't either Trevor. if I could do what she does. Mm-hmm. Well, there was Trevor, but Yeah. Yeah, really? Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Dicks. Had to go there. <laughs> that's a great that's a great segue into your turn, Ben. What's up? Okay, so things I loved about this um you know the about the storylines and things like that. Um one thing that was you know really kind of cool was this whole season, even after um even as, after uh, Taka and Sumi show up, the vampire hunters from Japan, we still see Alucard's almost at the beginning. We see Alucard falling into madness, and then he kind of plateaus out when they get there. And then by the end, he is fully—you know—he is going back. He kind of just steps right, slide, side steps right back into it. And at first, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, what was the point of that? But the point of that. That is, this is what turns Alucard a little less than, you know, good. Um, mm-hmm. And um, 
so and then we see isaac's story which actually sort of makes him slightly more human the people he meets on the way the captain uh the uh uh, miranda um you know and then that massive assault on the magician's tower who we never find out anything else about the magician but he is just there as a test or the final test for isaac uh, the alchemist yep the alchemist yeah um with the and i love the green crowns uh as the symbol of his magic versus mm-hmm. his the red corona about uh about uh, um isaac's you know isaac's blade uh, also of course, uh-huh. so, sorry also um the uh the big the big sphere of bodies is a is a is a commonly reoccurring uh Castlevania villain sometimes referred to either as Grand Falloon or Legion. Okay. Yeah, that was that was just for someone who hasn't played a lot of the those games, I'm just going, oh my god, that's that's humongous. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's it's always a pain in the ass to kill, too, because it keeps dropping bodies on you. Yeah, right? it's Symphony of the Night. <laughs> so and then of course we've got Hector's whole thing, and seeing that council of vampires and actually going through the logistics of how they're going to take over as they know it. Yeah. It's amazing. Talk about red markets, am I right? For real. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, we need an army, but we also need food, and we make our army out of the same thing we make our food out of. How does that work? Well, the thing is, it's not even, it's, it's not really taking over the world per se. It's like ruling a large swath and just getting by forever. Right. Right, exactly. Well, see, that was their world. That was the thing. That was all that was on the map was Poland. Well, yeah, Latvia, basically might as well be the world in, in their exactly. kingdom, I suppose. Yeah. Because unless you have a teleporting castle, the, your world is kind of small. It's kind, it's kind of limited. Right? Well, we have a teleporting castle and your world is limited to that castle almost. Um, but, it, yeah, and just the, I love the, you know, the the very distinct uh, personalities of the Council of Sisters. Um, you know, Marana and Striga as the, you know, as lovers. Um, you know, Lenore as the conniving. Oh my God, I do not, I both do and don't want to ever meet Lenore. Um, and then the whole thing with, you know, Trevor and St. Germain and all that. But when it comes down to it, the last big battle that starts happening in episode uh, in the second to last episode, the penultimate episode where you have the fights going on and you also have two people having sex, you know, two groups having sex. And as it turns out, those were also battles. Yeah, I was about uh, to, I was about to correct you and say, <laughs> technically that's five people having sex. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. It was in fact, five people having sex here. Correct. <laughs> right. Well, you have two, yeah, you have two sex scenes going on with two battle scenes. Um, but then you realize the sex scenes at the end, the sex scenes are also battles. Mm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, because at the end of it, nobody who's having sex ends up, you know, you know, uh, uh, Hector doesn't turn out well, doesn't turn out well for Alucard. Um, but the, the vampire, uh, that's got Hector, um, by a thread is the only one that prevails in those scenarios. Right. Lenore. Yeah. Lenore, yeah. That's goth as fuck, by the way. Lenore. Lenore, right? right there. Yeah. Be right back and get some water. Keep okay. talking. <laughs> so you know, but it's the whole the whole thing. Realizing is what's going on there. At the end of it, you realize, holy crap! Yeah, those were also battles. Those were also you know also fights. Uh, they just didn't look that way. 
I did. I didn't. Mm-hmm. The um, the Alucard one surprised me a little bit, and like it took me a little bit to realize what was going on there. But the other one was telegraphed as hell. I was like, okay, oh, well, yeah. she's obviously just you know playing him, and this is not going to end well for him, mm-hmm. right? And but then of course the way the way she did it. Oh my God! See, my concern going to happen when her sisters put on those rings. Yeah, they definitely well, leave that open to. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of vague. We'll see how that plays out, but uh, right. yeah. Well, it's but it was... mm-hmm. no. Go ahead. Uh, it was a nice subversion of the whole problem presented by Hector, in that you know, as a forge master, everything he creates is loyal to, to loyal to him. Uh, but now that he is bound, you know, basically, you know, magically bound to Lenore not a problem he got mm. vampire lawyered yeah he did which you know i mean write your own jokes there folks vampire lawyers in the same sentence <laughs> <laughs> well vampires demons you know very simple but yeah thing is is saint germain got what he wanted you know he was uh he got to go through to wherever the person he was looking for we don't really get to see too much of that hmm. but even some of the even some of the allies weren't really like the judge oh my god mm. that was yeah jason isaacs did a good job of you know bringing him to life um but you started to understand the second time he starts giving the same set of directions to somebody <laughs> you know? yeah that was uh oh, this is not very, gonna well. like uh, there's a lot of you know a lot of kind of like Hey, there's a lot of death and bleak things and gore and this and all this, you know, darkity darkness going on. Um, but like that kind of thing is um, <clears throat> that kind of thing, like the characterization of the judge and like him being one of the few people who was like actually listened to them and treated them decently. And like mm-hmm. th- it's this big setup of like, oh, this seems like a very reasonable person. And then at the end, mm-hmm. like it's revealed that he's these, you know, he does these horrific things, and it's like, and it, the thing about it is it's even it's more i don't know it's like in a way it's more disturbing that he's aware of that and just doesn't seem to care enough and the fact that he's like yeah like it deserves to be burned down and i'm pretty sure i'm i'm sure i'm going to hell but it just is how it like his card his um his nonchalance about mm-hmm. the evil is like pretty horrifying yeah oh yeah well, again, I think it's, it's a, quite the trope, but the whole like you know, evil of men being more you know scary yeah. than the monsters, blah blah blah. Well, one yeah. of the one of the the sort of uh, themes of the show as a whole so far is like different kinds of evil coming into conflict with each other. Because um, mm-hmm. you see that, especially in season two, with the sort of like drama and conflict within Dracula's court and like Carmilla trying to betray Dracula and all that stuff. And the forge masters sort of being, you know, pawns of one or the other. Um, and that's like definitely an issue. It's like, so like Sypha and Trevor both sort of like react to that in different ways. Like Trevor is like unsurprised. He's like, the world is terrible. Everybody's basically evil. Like, mm-hmm. and like, this is just what you should expect out of the world. And I uh, do the best I can. Uh, mm-hmm. in that situation and Saif is like no like we can be heroic like and everything can work out well and like things can be fun and happy and like actually right. be good and like this and that's why season, Trevor like, said that at the end of the season he was like right yeah. exactly 
Where like we lived in your world for a while, and now we're living in now mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess uh, like that's um, I think that's part of what makes their relationship so interesting because like they mm -hmm. complement each other so perfectly. Because like, well, I mean, it's kind of evidence in the fact that the the way they met is that she went off on a fool's errand and got herself petrified, right? And he had to save her <laughs> from herself, basically. Right. So it's mm -hmm. like, but at the same time he was like you know just running around with like no purpose and being miserable all the time and actually like wallowing in it and embracing the misery and leaning into yeah. it so like he was living but like in a way he was living less than her as a fucking statue so they need each other and mm -hmm. they kind of like they kind of they even each other out where trevor can actually remember that he life is life and to actually enjoy it and to not always be a fucking negative nancy all the time but on the yeah. other hand <laughs> he brings her down to earth so it's like yeah you know you should actually have your guard up and not be a moron considering yeah. how the world actually is mm -hmm. and uh if i may briefly dig uh, digress with a quote from jim butcher um they complement each other each, each other in another way in that with their two worlds thing uh they they exemplify the, the line there are two worlds, the world that should be and the world that is. We live in one. And the counterpoint to that is and must create the other. Yeah, and they are they are definitely the embodiment of that. Of course, I think the I think the other thing that just uh completely exemplifies Trevor at the end is a simple man with simple pleasures. <laughs> <laughs> As he walks into a fight. <laughs> That's right. It's like let let me let me take care of these because I really haven't gotten a good fight in a while. <laughs> yeah. Even though he didn't really get a good become all fight, magic and mum he completely raffle stomps the two guys that he's fighting. <laughs> But he has fun with it. I mean, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just. Uh, uh, I guess I felt really useless since this all became about magic and shit. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah but you can tell he's prolonging that fight, trying to decide which one he wants to kill. You know? It's very, it's very much, uh, it's very much Hawkeye syndrome. It's like oh, you've got like, <laughs> oh, you've got Hulk and the Thor and shit, and he's like, hey guys, I've got a bow and arrow. Right. <laughs> yeah. I use a bow. <laughs> Yeah, he's very, very much Hawkeye in uh, Age of Ultron. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, but yeah, that's that's most that that was most of my stuff. So, who's going? Who was up? I believe in turn order, it becomes Michael's turn now. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff I've kind of you know, I mean, part of it's just kind of a back and forth naturally. A lot of stuff I've touched mm -hmm. on, but um. I would say just overall, um, overall thoughts. Um, I, I'm not sure how to if season one should be its own ranking, but because it was really kind of an extended pilot, really. Um, but like I, I, I think the season is interesting. It's definitely good, but it's not as good as season two because how could it be? Because it was so freaking epic, and it was the whole road to Dracula, and then the culmination of that, <laughs> mm -hmm. and also just mathematically like there were a lot of characters that got killed off and a lot of those were interesting characters so if they're gone it's kind of hard to have that awesomeness around anymore you know mm -hmm. i think they did do a pretty good job of introducing new characters and making them like pretty much like immediately interesting in the limited time frame and then of course like we talked about um kind of expanding upon um uh, established characters i mean obviously you know like the the main protagonists and stuff with uh trevor and cyphus am i saying that right cypher cypher 
Sypha. Okay. Yeah. I always add a letter for some reason, Sypha. Um, but um, yeah, I think overall, some of the most fascinating stuff was seeing like, um, seeing how, how Isaac and Hector uh, fared after that. I mean, I, I guess Isaac is inherently more interesting because Hector is stuck in a friggin' cell and a lot of us just like, you know, Tuesdays with Vampire Mori. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the Isaac thing, I don't know. That was kind of like, that was kind of a microcosm of the whole philosophy and like uh, premise of the show where the whole thing like is, is humanity worthless or is there value to it? And, and like, you know, how do you like, how do you manifest that? How do you squeeze the juice out of the orange and all that? I mean, that was the whole premise essentially that set all this into motion was that, um, you know, the, the, the church went in and were assholes and killed Dracula's wife, who's actually a really good person and then unleashed hell yep. on earth. Um, but at the same time, it's important to realize if humanity wasn't valuable, then you would have never been able to have that miracle of having Dracula of all people fall in love with a mortal person, like genuinely and actually have that kind of a reaction because, you know, I mean, he deep, it's obviously deeply loved her and everything because all of that fell out from that. And uh, as I liked, uh, <laughs> I liked that line when Isaac was talking to that, um, that ship captain, and he was giving him a story. He was like, Hey, you know, tell me your story. We got nothing to do. And I'm in this for the stories. And he's telling him everything. And he talked about how, um, you know, he was, uh, he was serving Dracula who ultimately would kill every last human being on the planet. And he's like, Oh, that's just, that's suicide the long way around. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think it's a very prolonged method of suicide. Captain was, 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 I, I, I the, the, the ship captain was, was a lot of fun because he's like, he's right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very pragmatic, I am. <laughs> because, you know, yes, you could, in fact, completely just kill all of us and take my ship. And, I mean, you... Nothing's stopping you. But what if? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing that, you know, that Isaac doesn't realize is that sailing a ship is not something just anyone can do. Yeah, yeah. And so I would wager it's even more difficult when you have a clown car of unstable night creatures. <laughs> That's right. With a very, very. Can you imagine that would be like ability. a that would be a great little physical comedy thing, like seeing them actually try to shell, sail as a crew, like, sail a ship. Yeah, like somebody like turning around and their spiked wing cuts open the sail. Like <laughs> there'd be definitely like Benny Hill music involved or like Scooby Doo music, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely. I think he might have been my favorite, like supporting character. You know. Yeah, he's yeah, fascinating. He was definitely mine. He just he had so much friggin' presence. You know, like the sound of his <laughs> voice and just you know his dialogue and just his whole demeanor. He just, I mean, for one, he was utterly fearless. But it wasn't like a false bravado. It was just like, you know, it is what it is. I'm gonna die when I'm gonna die, and this is how it is. So you can kill me or you can see reason. I really don't give a shit. Just do what you're gonna do. Right. Well, That's he was the only person too. in the town that didn't attack him. Well, him uh, and the merchant, yeah. Or threatened him, yeah. at least. Yeah, exactly. Because technically speaking, um, people threatened him, and then he attacked first. As Rambo would say, he drew for his blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, he, 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 keeps, he, he keeps giving people the opportunity. Like, what I don't get is, you know, night creatures, the, 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 the night creatures are 
terrifying and horrible and monstrous and pretty much everyone gets killed by them anytime they fight them <laughs> unless your last name is Belmont. So or you're or yeah, <laughs> like yeah, unless your last name is is Belmont, Belnades, or Tepesh. Uh, so like, why is it when there's this guy walking around with a fucking army of them? Yeah, and he says, "Look, guys, I don't want any trouble. I just want to go this way." Yeah, why the fuck are you gonna be like, "No, I'm in your way"? I'm pretty sure my twenty guys with halvers can take you. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. feel real confident. Take you and your legions of hell. Haven't, yes. they had test, haven't they had enough test cases where they've seen and heard tales of people like, yeah, like big groups of people and like militaries and mercenary groups and stuff just being slaughtered by these things that. They should just step aside for a minute. And also, you know, um, I'm not sure how much um, knowledge they uh, they had of it, but the whole, hey, if somebody dies, they become one of these things. Kind of a bad idea to engage. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, some people know that, some people wouldn't, but... Yeah, yeah. And, and even then, like, also, even if you, you're suddenly dealing with, holy crap, here's, here's this thing I've never seen before... Mm-hmm. This is this is set in in what time frame theoretically on the Earth, and maybe the early 1700s. Yeah, um, and actually and, in and, the you 1400s. Know, is it that early? 1475 is when Lisa was uh, the stake. Okay. Um, so why why aren't why is it that people aren't sometimes just be like, oh my god, it's a monster, run away from it? Yeah. Also, it's pretty just you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have some sort of like genius, analytical, tactical mind. You can just size it up and see like, oh, there's a lot of giant fuck off monsters. Yeah, and like I don't think eight feet than me too much. Maybe I should not fight this thing <laughs> or these things. Yeah, yeah. Sir Robin it is definitely needed in this time and place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are, some, those are some confident town guardsmen. <laughs> yeah. Or they just they want to get it over with to protect this world. Their lives are so terrible. That's the only explanation I can come up with because that's dumb. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, we gotta have an excuse for those, you know, flamboyant scenes of carnage. Fourteen mm-hmm. oh, seventies, yeah. I, I think, uh, to 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 verify what Ben said. Yeah, apparently. Okay. I think uh, here's the thing about Isaac, and again, Isaac very complicated in a sense um yes every time he encounters you know people being how they are being you know as he says hateful and fearful and blah 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 um yeah he gives them a chance but like he doesn't really try that hard like i feel like there's a difference between hey i've said a couple of things i'm i'm just trying to get by and then okay well i'm gonna instantly unleash my hordes and like there's a medium (laughs) setting there yeah, like, that's true. If they true. attack, if they attack, here's if you're commanding the creatures, all you have to do is tell the creatures to defend themselves as you continue to move. Yeah. You don't have to slaughter every last person. They'll get the hint when half of them are dead as you continue moving. It's well, true. Well, right. his, he definitely like is like misanthropic though. Like the like he he was definitely on board with like Dracula's oh, plan to like kill all of humanity because well, he hates people. Yeah. So like he that's doesn't give anybody though. a chance. Like he gives people like the 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 minimum chance that he feels is fair. But he's like, well, okay, well, you didn't surprise me, so I'm gonna kill y'all. Right. The thing is, he's dishonest with himself. 
Yeah. Because it's an excuse for him to do that. So he he has this premise, this little pretense of like, okay, well, I'm going to say the thing, and I'm going to say the thing again. Oh, they didn't listen. Guess this is all I can do yeah. now, because that's what he yeah. really wants to do from the word go. Yeah, so right. he convinces himself that somehow it's okay because he does that. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's some conflict within him because he was even able to to even give the time of day to a couple of those people, like the shot yeah, keep and the, and the captain. If he was completely sold on it, he wouldn't even bother and he wouldn't even listen. But at the same time, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, I don't know. Well, if, Isaac, Isaac was more surprised by those reasons. Well, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's weird because he still, he still takes it in. He's still like, oh, this is interesting. Like someone's actually being decent to me. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, there's this denial thing where it's like, oh, but I don't want to believe that because then that would question everything I've done and everything I believe. So it's like he's trying to convince himself that these are weird anomalies and outliers that shouldn't really be taken seriously, which is why you're in that weird spot of him like continuing to give the little faux chances for people to not get slaughtered and then slaughtering them anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, the other interesting thing about that is uh, Miranda that she could smell him and he said he could see her so there was that that uh there was that moment of recognition between fellow magicians mm-hmm. and i think there was you know there was that whole and, and i i think that was the same with the shopkeeper mm-hmm. yeah i got the impression that the shopkeeper was blind also true because yeah. his eyes were gray like that's the, that's the usual animation shorthand for blind guy mm-hmm yeah, and when he when he gets the thing, he is he kind of just knocks things around like he's not very you know. Yeah, that's a good point. So that maybe two people, him, two but... blind people that uh, Isaac encounters in the course of the series. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because evidently blind people can see better than than you know, sighted people at some point. So, yeah. the, the blind <laughs> leading the blind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, a one-eyed man is king in the world of blind men. <laughs> This is true. Although, truth be told, the blind people tend to lead Isaac in unexpected directions. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's because it's not a world of blind men. There, so, so they get so they, instead they get the uh, the standard trope of the blind seer. Um, yeah. Well, you know, another thing I'd like to point out with the whole Isaac thing is um, <laughs> when he's talking to the ship captain. It, what, what's so funny to me is that like Isaac, he's very he's very self righteous. Like yeah. he's really into him. Like he's really sold on his, uh, you know, his, I don't know, his ultimate quest or goal or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Um, but like the simplest thing just like baffles him. And it's like, he's like, okay, so you're going to go, you're going to go here and you're going to get your re- revenge. Okay. So then what are you going to do? And he's like, fuck, fuck I don't know. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe you should far ahead. <laughs> maybe that's a thing. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. It's weird because like, he is so fucked up that, like, for him, simply um, slaughtering untold amounts of people and ruling the world is a step up from where he was before. Like, that's mm-hmm. how fucked up the scale is with this guy. So I just want to take a moment to kind of um, acknowledge that weird truth that, like, oh, hey, guys, he's making progress. He doesn't want to exterminate every last life form on the face of the earth and then presumably commit suicide. Now he just wants to kill a lot of people and then rule over the world with an iron fist to try to Fair. megalomaniacally <laughs> control it for the better. Right. Well, he's on. He's on his way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, that also kind of showcases a um, kind of a. Uh, I mean, this is just my interpretation here, but 
um, I would say like the the shrewdness and insight of the captain, which is that like um, like he sized up Isaac fairly well from the beginning, even before he went into the gory details, no pun intended, mm. about his backstory and everything. And that is that, okay, this is the best I can hope for for this guy. He's not going to see the light and suddenly become a pacifist or something. But at least I can steer him like a little bit away and then have some interesting stories in the process. You know, I'm not sure how much of that is like self-preservation or that would make a good story or how much of it is like altruistic of, oh, hey, maybe I could prevent every last person from being killed kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's open to interpretation. But I, I do find that that's, you know, that's kind of interesting. And then the weird like the weird like dynamic of the conversation where it's like it's been established from the word go that he could easily kill the captain and you know every everyone else any anyone else destroy the shit do whatever he wants to do but then like it ends with that whole like oh yes um i would like some water please and he's like okay i will give you this gift of water as if he's the one in control <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> i thought that was pretty great and then he doesn't right. challenge him on it either which i feel is very telling yep so I guess TLDR for me is Isaac is the most interesting part of the season overall. I, I agree. I definitely think you're right. Um, Fascinating character. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because like, I guess I, I, I've been, I've been kind of wondering whether like, well, so, so to, to draw things back to the, to the games a little bit, Isaac and, and uh, what's his name? Um, Hector. Hector, um, are the antagonist and protagonist, respectively, from Castlevania: Curse of Darkness on the PS2? I have I, I've begun I've begun uh, creating sort of a, a small uh, headcanon here in that the writers, while they were writing, got them backwards, huh. which is why all which, which is which is like why Isaac is is doing things and and they're trying to just be and I think at this point they they realized it and they're just trying to play it off and but um that that's my current theory as to why all the bad shit seems to be happening to someone who's theoretically supposed to be a game protagonist that and also you know they're they're taking massive liberties with everything so well it's not following anything like like the game suggests no. They're just it's inspiration. Not. It's more yeah. like you dumped a like you dumped a thing of toys into a sandbox. Like, yeah, there are names and elements, but they're all just jumbled together for their own mm -hmm. purposes to adopt yeah. to that medium. This is true. So yeah, I think that's at least um, most of my general thoughts off the top of my head. So mm -hmm. uh, Ethan, uh, what sure. for us? Your turn. So, so when when I first sort of got got finished with the with the season three i was like you know it's kind of like the part of the video game where like after you've killed the main boss but you still want to get a hundred percent so you go and do all like the side quests and get all the optional characters <laughs> grant so, by the way is still nowhere to be seen i don't think he's coming <laughs> but um it's like but it's it's very interesting to like it's very unexpected in a narrative sense for for a show to basically um kill its main antagonist uh and resolve its like core conflict at the end of the season two and then continue um right. unless you're supernatural in which case you <laughs> do it like every third season you do it yeah, like well, five times <laughs> unless you're supernatural in which case you you know discover the uh the plural of apocalypse exactly 
but um i guess so i mean it happens sometimes in like long long running tv series uh but like the fact that like castlevania it's like the whole concept of castlevania is people trying to kill dracula <laughs> and the fact that they got that they they finished that at the end of season two and it's like but what happens after that? What do you do with all the people who survive that conflict? Like, what do they do in their lives afterward? Uh, it's really interesting yeah. to me. And well, I actually, that's, that's a good point, actually. I was just going to uh, interject real quick that I feel like they kind of were cognizant of that would only, like, that would only take them so far. And oh, it yeah. was more of, like, a general setting. So they wanted mm-hmm. to have, like, a playground of this dystopian thing and establish all these characters. Then it's like, okay, well, that Dracula business is done. So now I can basically, now we're in an open play, like, freeform mode. And we can exactly. Whatever. You know, the main storyline is done. To, to, again, use your video game analogy. Yeah. I mean, and I think it really works. Like, I want to say, like, it's it's an unusual uh, narrative form, but I think they're really, like, making it work really well. Because it's like... Trevor and Cypher are off doing their thing and they're developing their characters and like leveling up. Yeah. And fi- well, and also just like figuring out what kind of people they want to be in this like pro Dracula. Right. Like is Trevor's storyline over? Should he just go back to like being a drunkard with no purpose in life? Cause he's fulfilled his only purpose in life yeah, because the, the, <laughs> or can he find something else to do? <laughs> yeah. The Belmont's whole job is killed Dracula. Right. Well, if it's, not a three generations. if it's not a rhetorical question, I think I have an answer for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the the obvious answer would be he uh, he has a kid with Sypha and the Belmont name he renews the Belmont name because there's still plenty of monsters to kill just not Dracula specifically oh yeah for sure and they said I mean and and uh, Alucard has sort of the same thing and he's like he's like I would think Trevor would be happy if I'm training another you know generation of vampire hunters like somebody still needs to hunt vampires oh <laughs> uh. yeah well that's interesting too right is that they it's kind of ambiguous with, with you know, again, because stay tuned, kids. Season, it's kind of ambiguous when when they end Alucard's um, narrative there, where he has the he has the um, impaled people as a warning, mm-hmm. and it's like one way to interpret that is like, oh, he's going full Dracula and like he's changing. But another way to interpret that is just that he's being a realist and he's saddened by the fact that he knows that he'll kind of always have to be just apart from like the world and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, it's a question of like, is he just kind of, you know, just being less naive or is he Mm -hmm. being, is he going full Isaac where he's like, man, this is all bullshit. It definitely is like, he's not in the, he's not to the level like Isaac is at or the other, or the other vampires are at where it's like, they're just selfish or they're just completely given up on humanity. Like, but he's, but he's definitely like, had a serious blow in his ability to trust people right and in his like confidence that he can actually like live with people and like be a companion and like a friend right um because like this was he felt like his opportunity with the two vampire hunters was like his his he felt like he was finding a new identity as being their like mentor right well that's an interesting point too right is that like beyond just the obvious like oh they chained him up and they were going to kill the baseline betrayal of just you know being violent like even even if um like well the the fact that they did it in that way where they seduced him and got all intimate with him mm-hmm. like that in and of itself is like super creepy and like wrong because it's like mm-hmm. 
he it's it's funny because i mean he like on a power level like he's just he's you know, he's insanely powerful he's one of those powerful creatures in existence but like yeah from an emotional and psychological point like he's totally damaged and vulnerable and uh -huh. they like, came into his home and like just mind fucked him which is weird because he's the well half vampire but anyway the point is it's a script flip right because <laughs> exactly, the humans yeah. come in which and like I, I they just exploit his loneliness and like you know his situation and, and I, I wasn't really happy with the way that just suddenly, you know, popped up because, oh, you you know, you were you're lying to us and things like that. And like, oh, uh, no. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think, yeah, I yeah. don't think they I don't think they telegraphed it in like very effectively. I think that I think they I, I again looking back at like the the scripts, you can sort of, I think, see where they were trying to do that. But I don't think mm -hmm. they set it up, actually. But the, well. the problem with yeah. it is there are these situations where they would be on their own, where they at least think no one's listening and they didn't really there weren't there wasn't any like explicit like oh like he's totally screwing us and like oh we, yeah. we have to you know have our revenge or do whatever like generally the, there would be a back and forth and there would be at least some line in there about how they're giving them benefit of the doubt and it's just like out of nowhere they just betray him like it yeah just, it, it was, was very a little abrupt to me i mean they wanted it to be a surprise but i think they kind of aired too far in the direction of it being i would rather unexpected. it be believable and not be yeah. as surprising than to I agree. Be a surprise for the sake of surprising uh-huh yeah it, it becomes it becomes a matter of have an unreliable narrator. It was the only yeah. downside, you know, right. really to this season for me. Yeah. That's a that's a difficult line to walk, so I'm not super surprised that they didn't pull it off. Um yeah. to try to make it like, oh, there's gonna be a twist, but <laughs> we wanna tell you what the twist is, but we want you to not be like mad when the twist comes. <laughs> it's hard, it's a hard thing to achieve. So yeah, they didn't that they didn't achieve it. Well part of the reason that surprised me so much is because like it was obvious with how much time was left in the show that they were just setting up a lot of stuff that they're going to be able to resolve or pay off mm -hmm. in the same season. So when they yeah. did that with all those other plot threads, I'm like, okay, and this is just another one of those threads. So like, they're going to go off to Japan or like, you know, he's going to like, you know, they're going to go off and teach others. Like something will happen. There'll be like some ripple effect from this, but it's like, nope, no, we're just clearing the board. It's just, Actually, dead no. and it's over. Yeah, right. there I'm is. Like, really? There is a sense that like everyone is like in a really, really dramatically different. Well, okay, I should say, um, Isaac and Sypha and and uh, Trevor are in like physically different and like dramatically different places at the ends of the their arcs, whereas Alucard is actually kind of like back to the same situation he was in before, just having like learned a lesson, right. And uh, like the vamp, like the the uh, vampires of Styria are with Carmilla. And they're basically just like getting ready to do stuff. Still, the Council <laughs> of Sisters, yeah. yeah. Because this is all right. Well, let's uh, let's set up for season four for a uh -huh. lot of it. So there's one thing I, you know, in looking at the end of this though, what was the deal with you know? Because you notice who Dracula was with in Hell. Um, yeah, his wife. His wife. Yeah, if anybody should not have been in hell, it should have been her. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, I don't know if they go into too much detail as to how you end up in hell, aside from well, pretty I much think everybody does. There, apparently, so. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it's very confusing because it's like, all right, so who isn't, who doesn't go to hell? Yeah, then right, really everyone yeah. does. I mean, there's not necessarily an established heaven. Right. There's only well, an established hell. And we don't see any, we really don't see any sort of uh, sacred power, um, you know, 
all we it's really see, all we see is hell and magic right you know? yeah, um, well, yeah thing, i mean the, the church yeah. apparently like the symbols of the church have some sort of power against the uh the vampires but mm-hmm. um it's not quite clear like there's no like representative of like they have power because you right. know, there's, actually there's... good from actual god or anything like that exactly <laughs> well the infinite corridor exactly. thing exactly. i guess is kind of um confusing to say the least so that oh, could yeah. just be a metaphysical fuckery thing where we don't really know what that's supposed to mean like mm-hmm. you know maybe dracula is you know i don't know yeah. maybe he is he's living his hell by having to lose her over and over again or like he has somehow done a thing and has tried to like you know steal some time mm-hmm. with her or and given she's the infinite, else, but... right given the infinite corridor it could not it could have not been looking at hell it could have been like yeah that's what i was going to say is like it, mm-hmm thing that we're just made to think so it could be like a parallel existence or whatever there's all sorts of weird explanations but i was going to say um another also thing. it's possible as well that uh given that she knew that that was where her husband is going that she elected to go to hell i suppose that's possible that's interesting but uh i mean do you get a choice like that's not really established who knows one would think you just have honestly the rules of this afterlife are pretty vague and ill and ill-defined yes most uh, definitely. and inconsistent uh, also he said time and space not just space so who knows maybe that was like a way back machine thing where they were still together like it's who yeah knows? i mean like, they, they obviously got to, to the time of walking robots and spaceships yeah, yeah. super weird um, i love how they uh, how they just randomly uh by, by the way, I'm pretty sure that that walking robot thing was a shout out to Metal Gear, which is another Konami property. <laughs> That's possible. Uh, brand synergy. <laughs> I mean, Konami's not making games anymore, so you might as well shout something out. That's not but true. They're making pachinko machines, but um, that's that about was one all of the few things that seemed kind of out of left field to me. It was like, oh, BT Dubs, like there's this infinite corridor thing, and it's like. You know, there's just a weird metaphysical thing that can lead anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, also okay. from the games. It's just like it was a very true. casual drop of something that completely changes existence. Yeah, yeah that is true. true. Well, and I liked St. Germain's way of undoing what was going on because he couldn't close the corridor, but he could change where it went. Yeah, that's true. You know that was a, that was a nice. Ethan, little... if you pluck on that spring, you get a you get an interesting uh, musical sting for the thing. I, I apologize. Did they ever? Uh, did they ever establish who it was that he lost? Not no. specifically. It looks like a female figure of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. All it is explicitly is... not explicit. Right. All he ever tells us is he lost some important corridor. Yep. Mm-hmm. Actually, well, I think he write. I think he, when he was writing in his journal, he uses a female pronoun. I can't remember though. Yeah. Right. That's it. Okay. So I I had a I had a I, I got a vibe, and I was wondering if anybody else got this vibe when it was re- that night creature that was all on the you know, had the weird scary crucifix situation going on with mm-hmm. it. Yep. Did anyone else have a weird theory going into that that? Um, his the person he lost was actually that creature that was like that was like manipulated or that was like changed. No, I really didn't get that. No, no. I didn't get okay. that. I just had a weird um, vibe there where like the way it looked at him and like the, the way the infinite corridor is described him like 
this is going to be some weird M. Night Shalom Ding Dong thing where this turns out to be the person. <laughs> it's yeah, gonna... I mean, they had like presage that like, you know, they'd, they'd set up that like hell creatures or night creatures can like have a memory of whatever yeah, that, well, their that's soul another, was that's beforehand. That's another thing why I thought that is because it doesn't really they, pay they off in any other establishing way. Establishing things where it was like, oh, like Isaac is turning people into creatures and there's this one example of this creature that can like, it's still kind of itself in some ways and yeah, it was just a weird yeah. thing. Which was an interesting conversation. Yeah, that could have been an interesting twist. That's another thing, that too. Way, they, yeah. they did that, and then they just kind of didn't go anywhere. Right? Right. Like, what was that about? Well, the thing, the thing with the night creature, the prior uh, under the... Under the, um, the, the philosopher. Yeah. Uh, well, the night creature under the, uh, under the, under the church uh, was that it was, it was like it was Isaac's backup plan. Hmm. Because its whole purpose, because first of all, it was it was established that it was one of Isaac's night creatures. Was it? Yes. yes, it was. Okay. Um, and it was also established that um, it was primary. Its primary thing was to bring Dracula back. That was mm-hmm. the whole thing behind it. So it was almost like there was a contingency plan that Isaac had set in motion. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I'm wondering is because uh, we see the uh, we see that giant fuck off mirror at you know under the magician's tower under the alchemist's tower, mm-hmm. but we don't see anything other than Isaac back at the old woman at the fire, and then he comes out and does the whole thing with "Don't burn the town down." Um, you know what else did he see? What you know, or mm-hmm. is that was that him going? Okay, you know now that was this setup is complete. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does seem like Isaac is like ready to just attack Styria now. Like he doesn't seem like he has any more like steps to his plan. Right. <laughs> he has right. a giant he has a giant uh, army and he has a way to get them to his destination. So it seems like he's ready to pull the trigger on that. Yeah, and I think I wonder what the what the uh you know what the resolution is gonna be between Isaac and Hector. Because mm-hmm. Hector was betrayed by Dracula. Um you know, in, in that his idea was to cull the humans, keep the population at a manageable rate, mm-hmm. and you know, and so on. And Dracula's like, nope, I'm gonna kill them all, just not gonna tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Isaac, on the other hand, is we should kill them all. And of course, so there was this dual betrayal, but in Isaac's head, it's you know, Hector betrayed Dracula, mm-hmm. who betrayed H- Hector. Uh, so, right, it's betrayal bingo. Yeah, exactly. It's betrayal square dancing, dosy do. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I mean, with the, <laughs> the whole Isaac thing, it's like it feels like the setup to that cheesy alien versus predator AVP marketing. The first one is like, whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Any other uh, profound thoughts? It seems like we've we've pretty much covered our our bases. Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, I am still looking forward to uh, like I I look forward to to new releases of, of this pretty much anytime they like my my fervor for this uh, for this series is not lessened. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. It was a good it was a good season. You know, I just, yeah I I did like the atmosphere of it because mm-hmm. the thing you get into this is magic corrupts. There is no true good. Uh, it just sets for the whole. I love the the tone and everything it sets for that whole mm. that whole thing. 
Well, yeah, I mean, one could say power corrupts magic is just a specific power. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Sypha seems pretty non-corrupt at the moment. I was, I was going to see, like, the fact She's that... She's traveling Sy with Trevor. Give it time. Well, the fact that Sypha's magic is, like, elemental, it's all just, like, ice and fire and electricity. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, it means that, that <laughs> there's nothing really there to corrupt. It's just, like... Yeah, she's not like dealing mm -hmm. with like secret truths or like, right, it's just like you know creatures. Of... I did like how she pulled like how, I do like how she uh, she pulled electricity out of the out of the hat for the first time. Yeah, right, and had to work at it. Also liked how she used you know used what she had, uh, like when she cast the ice spell around Saint Germain, and mm -hmm. the one guy was trying to get to him. She basically like oh. <laughs> you know, just, all those ice chunks up and turns them into yeah well she basically great. cuts the guy's hand off and then yeah. like you know in the middle of a fight uh you know has the bad guy you know focusing on her and pulls all those ice chunks and turns him into flying buzz sauce yeah it's great <laughs> you know? i love how she uses i mean that's one of the most metal things ever is how she used disembodied parts of her fallen opponents ammunition to kill for yeah. their opponents yeah 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 well Cypher, then, yeah. once again gets the once again wins the most badass award oh, yeah. um like she beat alucard in season in season two because yes alucard sure you know he, he did a couple things and sure he killed some vampires and you know he was super strong but you know alucard killed like two guys and Cypher killed like a million well and, and i love how she did the iron man thing to Using the mm. jets of fire. Oh yeah, that was great. yeah. Shooting yeah. <laughs> out to fly. It's like, like, oh, okay, that's, fine. that's a neat trick. You can just do it all, can't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh no doubt. She just doesn't have as many hit points as everyone else. That that that's that's so. the downside. Um, I, yeah, I gotta say, <laughs> I did like the fact, and this is definitely obvious. Spoiler, but like, I did like the fact that like. Alucard had not used his enchanted sword for anything the entire like season. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, right. you guys didn't even know I had this enchanted sword. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love that. I love that quickly down underline. I said my like the say I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, you mean the whole like is that the line? I said that my like, father didn't like magical weapons. I never said I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I never said I didn't use them. I assume the quickly down under thing you're talking about is the whole like I, I don't like. I said I don't like guns. I didn't say I didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't have much use for pistol. Didn't say I didn't know how to use one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, also Elliot Spencer from Leverage. Yeah. Oh, this is true. This is true. God, yes. When we finally <laughs> see him use guns, <laughs> I'm sure that's a pretty big trope. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's it's one of the more standard tropes of guy doesn't. Well, it, it, it's 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 similar to the it, it's related to the trope of Batman pulls out the gun. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I'm willing to bet the Elliot Spencer thing is technically listed there. Let's check. Oh, I've got an internet. Loud clicking, loud typing for a second. Oh dear. <laughs> Let's look up things on the internet. That's hack attack attack attack. We we do this. You obviously don't listen to this episode to this podcast very often. That's very much a, uh, very much a comic book thing. Um, do the like, internet. You can almost see the the big T A K things that tack 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 tack. Oh, that's because it's a mechanical keyboard. Yeah, you guys and your mechanical keyboards. And I got a nice clicky one. And yes, Elliot Spencer. Um. Picking up the gun is in fact listed in the TV tropes page of Batman grabs a gun. 
<laughs> Which is kind of funny because Batman originally started out using a gun. That's right. He's got one in the first Batman comic cover. It's true. Because they didn't know toys. things about him. They, they, they hadn't really established his character yet. Yeah, just like, you know, how the first episode or first uh, issue of Hulk, rather, he was gray, not green. Yeah, also mm-hmm. true. And that, that, that's one of his most iconic things now is the fact that he's green. So kind of funny. And that's because the gray was, was apparently really hard to print. <laughs> yeah, it didn't show well, didn't, didn't work well for the medium. <laughs> yeah. It's funny uh, how there's so many things like that where it's just a practical choice of, oh, this doesn't show up in comic form. This doesn't show up on the film well. So this mm-hmm. is just what we're going to do. And that becomes this big, like, you know, recognizable thing when it was just fucking happenstance at the time. Yeah. Well, and it's it's like some of the things that happened, you know, that which brings to mind my favorite Star Trek story when they were trying to do the Green Orion woman, they couldn't get the makeup to work right. Well, as it turns out, the editor was color correcting the film. So she looked, she yeah. looked, so she looked tan. That's funny. So, yeah. Huh. Well, it seems like we're pretty much tapped out. Yep, and we're, we're honestly, we're, we've hit we've hit the hour and a half mark, too, so. Oh, yay. All right. Any uh, you, you, Ethan's, uh, Ethan's horrible experience of being in the podcast is, now, is coming to an end. Oh, my gosh. It can't be. <laughs> <laughs> can't be soon enough. <laughs> Um, in two weeks, we will talk to you about something else. We're not quite sure what. Some, of course, you know, we're all still alive. Right. All right. Wash your hands, everybody, and stay inside. And yes. click like and subscribe. Yeah. Click like and subscribe and comment. And I know the episode went went out up on Facebook. The, the last, uh, the most recent episode went up on Facebook real late. I was having difficulty with my uh, with with my automation service. I think it got it resolved, though. Awesome, Ethan. Thanks for being with us, man. Yeah, yeah, thanks. yeah thanks I had a good it. time. Yeah, and you know, anytime we're recording remotely, I'm sure you're you are welcome to uh, to join in. Assuming great, cool. I'm out of work for at least another month. So. Yeah, <laughs> good time. I don't know how long we're going to be re- we're going to be recording remotely, but uh, definitely for the time being, at the very least. So, yep. Uh, all right. Well, um, this has been Neil, the one true Ben, Mike, and, and Ethan Cordray. And uh, we will talk to you next time on Geek Fanthology. Bye, everyone. I got to tell Craig to go away. Craig, stop recording. Is that? Oh, I didn't spell it right. <laughs> This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter B and the number 102. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm and ending thing is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. Interstitial this week was Bloody Mayhem by Bonkers over at ocremix.org. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, leaving us a comment, Liking our YouTube, our YouTube content, subscribing, commenting, following us on, you know, everything. The reason everyone asks for that is because it really helps to build visual, build, uh, 
appearance. Like, it, we, it makes us easier to find for everyone else. So, if you can do that, please do. It really helps. If you really enjoyed the podcast, please consider supporting us, either by making a one-time donation on our website at www.workingtheoryproductions.com or a reoccurring one through Patreon at patreon.com slash workingtheory. Final thought. Please continue to stay safe and smart and healthy out there. We'll get through this all together. <laughs>